from him who gives the true commandments for life and from him who breaks from the tradition of men. Come all grace and mercy and peace to each of you today. Amen. Our gospel lesson from Mark 7 will serve as the basis for the sermon today. I read a poem recently by a great poet, Robert Frost. It was entitled Mending Walls. I don't know if you've ever read that poem or come across it, but it's a poem about a wall that was erected between two neighbors, a man and his neighbor. And they would meet around this wall every spring to mend the wall, to make any repairs necessary to it. But neither man knew why they were doing it. The man who erected the wall had done it because his father had put it up years ago. And the man who didn't know why the wall was there, that was a neighbor, was questioning why there even needed to be a wall there in the first place. He thought their land should be joined together. And so the poem goes back and forth talking about the dialogue between this man and his neighbor. The man wondered if he could convince his neighbor somehow to, to put the thought in his head to question the necessity of maintaining a wall that was so worthless. But in the end, he remained quiet. The poem left these two men with an unresolved tension about this particular wall. And at the end of the day, this mending wall tells about a, a wall that was maintained out of habit, a habit that was hard to break, and a habit that was performed out of the vein of tradition. You know, it's said that some habits are harder to break than others, and some traditions die really, really hard. <laughs> Not surprising in that habits are in themselves traditions. The great scholar, uh, Christian scholar Yaroslav Pelikan once said that tradition is the living faith of those that are now dead. Traditionalism is a dead faith of those who are still living. There are some who would argue that traditions will eventually be the downfall of our church. Well, you know that when you do anything more than once, it becomes a tradition. So traditions have their place. They can fulfill a purpose until they become a detriment to progress. The Pharisees that Jesus encounters today in our Gospel lesson are a very good example of traditionalists. They're misguided, their traditions are, to the point of being detrimental to progress. There's an obvious wall that, that's been erected between them and everybody else outside of the Jewish nation. On the one side, the Pharisees and all the Jews held to the tradition of the elders, washing of hands and of cups and of dishes and vessels and dining couches. And on the other hand, well, you had some of Jesus' disciples who ate food with hands that were defiled because they didn't wash their hands in the elderly tradition, which caused a lot of grief amongst the Pharisees to the point where they say, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of elders, but eat with defiled hands? Well, aren't they just a bunch of hypocrites? Aren't they just a bunch of hypocrites that Isaiah pointed out long ago, talking about people who honor God with their mouths but not their hearts, who worship on the surface, but more deeply teach their own ways as if they might be Jewish in name only? Now, these are people who leave the commandments of God and who hold very much to the, to the uh, tradition of men. They're also a people who apparently, like anybody who combats Jesus, don't deserve a direct answer to their question either. 
the Pharisees have challenged Jesus via their oral traditions as a means to evaluate Jesus' disciples. And Jesus then uses written standards to evaluate them. And he answers their challenge. You ever challenge somebody's tradition? Have you ever questioned them or, or challenged somebody or, or used your own traditions to evaluate somebody else? Maybe you haven't done that consciously, but I guarantee that we've done it subconsciously. Well, we look at our own traditions in comparison to somebody else to see if they're going to hold up or as if we're better than somebody. You know what? I would say that if we ever do that, we better be darn sure of our arguments or we might end up like the Pharisees. As Jesus questions the tradition of the Pharisees, He didn't have a a problem with traditions per se. What He does have a problem with, though, is the fact that traditions have supplanted God's Word. They become a means to an end in themselves. Jesus cites an example of how the Pharisees' tradition contradicts God's law. Speaking of Corbin, and that's what has been set aside for God, and how since it is uh, a gift vowed to God, then it can't be used to support one's own parents, which then in turn breaks the commandment of honor thy father and thy mother. When a tradition hinders progress, then, or really in this instance, when a tradition replaces the Word of God, then it's no longer a tradition in my opinion. In my opinion, what it really is, is just a very, very bad habit. And you know what they say, bad habits are hard to break. Traditions a lot of times are how people associate themselves with you know, identities. They can bring people together, but they can also set people apart. Traditions can be good if they're used to point people to God. But honestly, traditions are not what sets God's people apart or makes God's people the people of God. What sets us apart as people of God is what comes from right here. The love and the actions of Christ that Christ has modeled for us. What comes out of our heart. Not what we proclaim. Not sitting in the pews because it's a tradition on Sunday morning. Not decorating the church because it's a a holiday tradition. But what comes out of here every day of our lives. That's what sets us apart as people of God and exemplifies Christ. And suffice it to say, sometimes we let traditions become walls in our life. Walls that quite honestly become a detriment to the progress of the advancement of the gospel. And instead of pointing to God then, what message are we communicating? Well, quite honestly, we communicate the message that someone doesn't belong amongst us, as if they might be defiled. Or we claim to use traditions to honor God, but all we really do is honor Him with our lips and not our hearts. Remember what I said earlier? When you do something more than once, it becomes a tradition. (laughs) Well, think about that in the context of worshiping God. We come here every week to worship God. Is that not tradition in our lives? But if you've ever been like me, some, there's been times that I've sat in that very pew just out of habit, but not really engaged right here. Not engaged when I've left church. Oh, I might have spoken to God in church and confessed my sins, but the moment I step back out on 1792, I'm cursing somebody for their driving habits. <laughs> or getting mad at somebody in public because they cut in front of me in line. Or any other number of things that I have done something to not exemplify Christ because it wasn't in here. 
whether we like it or not, or want to recognize her or not, we all have a little, how how do I say it, traditionalism in us. And a traditionalist is someone who upholds and mains traditions, usually in resistance to change. Usually a good indicator that we tend to be traditionalists is by this phrase. Well, that's how we've always done it. Now, you've never heard that in this church. Probably never heard that in your life, have you? This is how we've always done it. But that's how we are conditioned to be. And why do we say those phrases? This is how we've always done it. Because that's what makes us comfortable. Because change is hard. Because a lot of times we look to the past of what once was rather than what can be as the environment changes in our lives. And I'm not saying that that everything needs to change. I'm not saying that just because we've always done something some way it needs, means it needs to be changed just for the sake of change. If it ain't fixed, don't you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But what I am saying is a lot of times that we use traditions in the most wrong way of manners to the point that it holds up what we should be doing going forward. It holds up the advancement of the gospel. Maybe we need to take a step back and reevaluate the traditions that we have in our lives. Maybe we need to evaluate those traditions in light of God's Word. Maybe we need to take a stance of the man in Frost's poem, looking at the wall with the mindset of, is that really necessary? Maybe we should ask ourselves, does it serve a purpose to honor God? Or is it holding up progress, keeping us from Christ and keeping us from proclaiming Christ? Yeah, we've got a lot of traditions that we use as, I don't know, standards in our lives. But there's only one standard that we should be following. And that's a standard that's found in God's Word. God's Word is a standard that evaluates us and by which we should evaluate our traditions and habits against. And in the end, there's only one true trustworthy tradition that's worthy of being passed along, and that's Christ. The habit of staying in word and sacrament, the habit of daily prayer and devotion, the habit of practicing and modeling what Christ Jesus teaches us, the habit of putting God first and and all other things secondary. Those are the good habits, the good habits that make good lives, allowing us to see and experience God at work in His kingdom and His goodness. God has always put His creation first. God has traditionally handed down His Word from generation to generation. And again and again, He speaks to His creation of His love and care and providence for us. You know, Isaiah tells us that God says, I will again do wonderful things with this people with wonder upon wonder. That's, think of how God has acted traditionally. Traditionally, He's made a habit of relenting of His anger when His people have turned their back towards Him. And when we come back to Him in repentance, traditionally, He brings us His forgiveness and His mercy. Traditionally, God has spoken of His plans for salvation and redemption of His creation. has kept His Word, bringing forth salvation for Israel out of Zion. And we're called to keep that tradition going forward. That's our, our nature. That's built into us. In our baptisms, when, when we were washed clean of that original sin, we were designed into the fabric of God's, crea- you know, of God's redemption for us. 
We're given that Christian calling and, and enabled with the Holy Spirit to go forward to proclaim. But in order to, to proclaim, we've got to reclaim. We've got to reclaim those traditions that make us who we are as God's children. That's a tradition worth keeping. And you know, we're building up next week to, to rally day. And you're going to see statements all week long from leadership about reclaiming Christ. And I would ask this of all of us, how we might reclaim our Christian heritage and the good habits necessary for our callings to keep with the tradition of passing on the Word of God from generation to generation. I pray that we'll go forth today in the tradition of Christ and the spirit of Christian unity with hearts reignited for God, sharing Jesus with everyone we meet. So what traditions do we need to shed today? What traditions do we need to reclaim? How has God reclaimed you? Let's start there. There's no worthier tradition than Jesus. And to God be all the glory. Amen.